Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of Mark, chapter 4. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence, be still. The wind settled down, and there was a great calm. Jesus asked them, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. In 2010, while in seminary, I went with the Baptist church I was serving on staff at the time in Kansas City on a mission trip to Bridger, South Dakota with our youth group. We spent the week doing various tasks around the tiny community, including painting a powwow ring uh, and learning about the culture of the Lakota peoples. Now, the Baptist Church I served has a long-standing relationship with the Baptist Church in Bridger, so it was cool to connect. And it was a busy week, caring for the teenagers, caring for the community, making sure everybody was safe. And on the way back from Mission Trip, we drove through the night. Thankfully, we had a bus where I didn't have to drive. Now, I've always been a light sleeper, and I've never been one to sleep in the car well. So naturally, I stayed up, keeping the driver and the other adults company. When we got back to Kansas City in the morning, Steve took me home before heading off to work. Now, while I'm a light sleeper, when it suddenly hits me, I can sleep during the odd hours when I need to. So when I got home, I crashed, and I spent most of the day tossing and turning in bed. Just thankful it wasn't a cot or an air mattress. In my tossing and my turning, I noticed it did rain and I heard thunder and saw a little lightning, but I didn't pay too much attention to that. When Steve came home from work, he seemed shocked that I was still in bed, still asleep. You see, as he entered the neighborhood, he had to get out of his car several times to remove large tree limbs that had fallen on the road. He couldn't believe that all that damage hadn't woke me up. While I slept, a microburst had swept through our neighborhood. A couple of blocks over, a tree had gone into a neighbor's roof. Our power was out. We checked in our elderly neighbors next door and thankfully nobody was hurt in the storm. But as we looked back, I was in major danger. I had slept soundly, not hearing the thunder clapping or the branches snapping 
or the overhead fan stopping its turn when the power went out. Knowing me, I had probably enjoyed the reprieve from the summer sun. Nothing had happened where Steve was working just 10 miles away or so, so we had no idea what he encountered. I imagine Jesus felt like he was in a similar place. And even more so, right? He had been healing and teaching all day. He faced resistance from his friends, the disciples, who didn't get, or perhaps didn't want to get, what he was trying to teach. He had to explain to them parable after parable after parable, and gosh, that is so tiring. He received pushback from his fellow churchgoers, the Pharisees, who saw his healing and spending time with the outsiders as threats on how things should be done. So when the sun began to set, he told his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. Even then, even then he couldn't catch a break. Verse 36 says, other boats followed along. Jesus, exhausted from the day, finds the only quiet place he could, finds a pillow, and collapses on the hard wood in the bows of the boat. He didn't care that the boat smelt like fish or that the room he was sleeping in was dark and stuffy. The wind and the waves rocked the boat, helping him sleep. Like me during the microburst, he had ignored the signs of the storm. He didn't hear the disciples running around yelling at one another for ropes and directions. He didn't feel the splash of the water or the big booms of thunder or the whistling of the waves. His friends, the disciples, desperate for relief, finally shook him awake. Do you not care that we are drowning? They had seen him heal people. They knew he was somebody special. And perhaps he could do something in this moment as well. Not only did the people in the boat depend on him, but the others that were following him. Jesus, frustrated with the disciples interrupting his well-earned sleep, calmed the waves. And as the waves stilled, he exasperated, asked, so now, do you believe? The disciples, they had seen every miracle and had heard every parable. And yet, and yet when the waves threatened them, when they saw their lives in danger, they stuttered and they backpedaled. And then only when the lake calmed down, and they felt their lives were no longer in danger. Only then did they ask, who is this man? If we imagine Jesus is snarky, he would have rolled his eyes and gone back to bed. And if we had put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples, I imagine many of us would still be in awe. Our worries and our fears dissipated in a single moment. 
Jesus trusted God enough to take a break, to take a nap. Maybe this was from overexhaustion. Maybe he realized he needed his sleep before he could go again teaching and healing. Where might we need to trust God enough to take a break? Where do we need to recognize that many people have no choice in taking a break? They do not get a break due to working multiple jobs. Well, it's Labor Day weekend, and this is the day where Christians technically practice Sabbath, Sunday. Labor Day itself, celebrated on Monday, can trace its roots in the U.S. back to the 1880s. At the time, many working-class Americans worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week, to barely make ends meet. To add to this, at the time, a major train car company had cut its wages without cutting hours. And so this led to a large-scale strike across several industries, shutting down railroads and halting transportation. And it was in this context, it was in this context that President Grover Cleveland signed into law Labor Day as a national holiday. And fittingly, perhaps, there was no one single founder of the Labor Day movement. And while Labor Day brought attention to dangerous working conditions and unfair practices, how does this affect us today? And what might Jesus say today about this from the boat or the mountaintop? You see, we still find many people in our society overworking and exposed to dangerous conditions. Many people's work prevents them from being a part of a church. Those who work in the healthcare industry and in retail and restaurant and tourism and sports and other services, more than 25% of our population in the United States often have no choice when they work. Many jobs require people to work on Sunday when many churches gather for worship. And so people who follow Jesus can't be here today because they need to earn a living. And because our faith is holistic, affecting every single area of our lives, our faith has a role to play in how we view work and how we act on behalf of our neighbors and ourselves who are overburdened and oppressed by working conditions and unjust compensation. A key theme in scripture connecting to work and to rest is Sabbath. Sabbath is present in creation and the creation account when God rested. And in the Torah, to keep Sabbath, to keep Sabbath was not only to refrain from working, but also allowing for the animals and even the land to rest. People were commanded to rest in the most intense of circumstances, like on a boat, like in grief. Vitor Vestelli, a Brazilian theologian, had an interesting take on thinking about rest. He reflects on how the women at the cross still practiced Sabbath, in the aftermath of Jesus' death. They made sure his body was down from the cross before the sunset signaled the Sabbath. 
And they didn't visit him on Saturday because they were observing Sabbath. And after they rested, they brought the burial spices on Sunday. They rested even in a time of grief. Vestali says that if we should practice resurrection, if we are resurrection people, we must also be Sabbath people. Just like the women who first encountered the risen Jesus was, were. Just like Jesus. And as we learn, as we learn to rest like Jesus again, how do we do this? Where do we need to rest? When do we need to advocate for rest for others? If we are learning to rest like Jesus, we might need space, even space from good things, space from the expectations that society and social media throw at us, space to examine how we spend our money and how we spend our time and what we may need to change in order that we can live more freely in the way of Christ. And yet the ability to rest, to practice Sabbath, isn't just for us, but a gift for everyone, even people who do not follow Jesus. As the Exodus 20 reminds us, where the, the Ten Commandments are, it says, Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it, not your sons, not you or your daughters or your servants, your animals or the immigrant living among you. Because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Part of resting like Jesus means making sure others get to rest like Jesus. When might we need to advocate for rest for those who aren't able to be in this building today, worshiping among us because they are working? Where do we need to rest. Even when the storm rages, even when the storm rages, God provides rest, but always, always invites our participation.